I'm Danielle. And I'm Christy. And you are listening to Snacks with Stein. Let's do it. Welcome back to Snacks with Stein. I am Christy. Danielle is in California. Hello. And we have brought you a new episode to keep you busy, keep you company wherever you are. Right at the top, the first thing that we need to do is we have a Patreon toast. I did reach out to see if I should use the username or a different moniker, and this patron has selected their username, which is Incubus Jewels. So Incubus Jewels has joined Team Goosebumps. This toast is for you. So if everyone could please raise their glass. Danielle is so happy to have another member of her team. While I'm over here trying not to scream. But (laughs) it's not about winning. It's all about grinning as we go merrily, merrily, merrily down the Patreon stream. Cheers. Yay. Yay. Danielle, what are we snacking on tonight? I'm having goldfish crackers. Cause Heck yeah. Why it's not? Goldfish. Yeah. <laughs> goldfish are the best. If you're not on Team Goldfish... I don't want to talk to you anymore. Just kidding. What are you doing? What are you doing? With what are you doing? Don't even tell me like plain ones. Like what is that? Are they just the regular old orange goldfish or are they yes. the rainbow variety? Okay. Because there's no, like 12 varieties. of. There are. There's like princess ones, Mickey ones. There was mm-hmm. incredible for a while. But these are just standard orange goldfish. Keeping it real. I love it. For today's episode, for the very first time ever, I'm going to make two suggestions. Number one, find a tiara. Make one, get your go-to, steal one from your kids, whatever is necessary, because it's prom time, bitches. Number two, you might want to get a paper and a pencil, because there are five prom candidates, as well as a list of suspects. And I'm going to do my very best to separate these characters for you, but holy shit, there's a lot. So it might be fun for you to like write everybody down and then cross them off as they die. Just saying. Yes. Danielle, put on your tiara. I'm ready. Okay. So I chose this book because it's springtime-ish and that's normally prom time. Unless of course you're in high school this year, in which case, wash your hands (laughs) and prom night And Carrie, watch that on a loop for a while and dress up and stay home. Sorry, guys. Sucks to be you. Sorry. (laughs) But when we were kids, prom time was when, like, all the teen magazines came out. Remember Seventeen and Cosmo? Mm -hmm. They all had prom features. And I loved these magazines because it was just, (laughs) it was thicker. It was like there were sections for dresses and sections for shoes. All the girly things. I was feeling kind of nostalgic. I was feeling away. Um, and I thought that this would be a really good time to read about some like bloody prom shenanigans, which are the best kind. Yes. Speaking of dresses, the cover of this book, goddamn. Okay, maybe we've got some big hair, which I love, you know, tease it up to <laughs> Jesus. And some baby pink taffeta, which I hate. And I see some (laughs) off-the-shoulder puff sleeves with, like, a sweetheart neckline, which is so early 90s. And uh, just, like, a simple ball gown waist. So it's okay. But she's got this giant fucking corsage. Like, literally almost the length of her arm. Do they they still... Is that a still thing? I don't think so. I mean, maybe. But I don't think it's, like, how it was when they were ginormous. You know, I don't think they so. really were. Some of them mm-hmm. were ri- ridiculous. Yeah, like that one. Right. So, so the girl <laughs> in the book, she's 
She's wearing a tiara, and the tiara, in my opinion, it's just okay. I would have liked it a little bigger. You know, she's looking in the mirror, and the reflection in the mirror is her own reflection, except instead of her face, it's a skeleton staring back at her. And for some reason, her skull is missing a lot of teeth. So it's kind of a double nightmare thing. I always have those nightmares where I lose my teeth. It's awful. This one was copyrighted 1992 by Parachute Press. And the tagline is, she was drop dead beautiful. Ew. Ew. So I'm gonna take a drink and we're gonna do this. The book opens with a narrator. And our narrator's name is Elizabeth. And her friends, Dawn and Rachel, are talking all together in the locker room while they're getting dressed. They're getting ready to go to the prom assembly, and I guess it's just after gym class. They're applying makeup, and they're fluffing out hair, and they're chatting. And the girls must have, like, just showered because the locker room's steamy and loud. And they're talking about what they saw on the news that morning. There was a body found deep in Fear Woods. This body was found by a hiker at the bottom of a muddy ravine. It was a pretty young girl, right about their age, who had been stabbed 16 times. Dawn is cracking dark jokes. She doesn't really see what the big deal is. They didn't even know this girl, the one that got killed. I mean, no one really did. Rachel is a little more sensitive, and she doesn't like Dawn making jokes about the dead girl. Because Rachel is that person that's like somehow related in some way to this tragic thing that happened. So she expresses concern here about how she lives on Fear Street. And the body was only found like a block from her house. So Rachel is the poor one. She's the one that lives on Fear Street. Dawn is disgusted at the idea of even being seen on Fear Street. So she is not concerned about being like stabbed, murdered to death. Then the girls all start to joke about the murder. And one of them even runs around like pretending to stab everyone. One of the group of the girls tells the others that the police had said on the news that this killing was just like one that had happened a few weeks ago in a neighboring town. And that it's likely that now there is a serial killer on the loose. So already I'm getting some kind of awesome 70s slasher vibes. Mm -hmm. Right now, with the, the locker room, the lingering danger of a serial killer. So I'm, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a, automatically, I'm all in for that. I like it. The bell rings, and they all file out. Except a few of the girls that were talking in the beginning, Dawn, Rachel, and Elizabeth. And they're still primping and asking the other girls, you know, who they think they're going to prom with. Dawn lists out all of Shadyside's most popular boys, and she has no idea which one to pick. <laughs> Rachel is surprised that they've all asked her because prom is still five weeks away. And Dawn's like, well, you know, no, okay, they haven't asked me, but, you know, I know that they will. And when they do, I want to be prepared for, like, what I should say. Rachel asks Elizabeth if she has a date yet, and we learn that she would have a date but her boyfriend, Kevin, moved away because his dad's in the military and he got transferred. So she's been long distance dating him. This is really cute. By mail. <laughs> Aww. They had started with phone calls, but this is a time where calling long distance costs money. Yeah. And not just a little money for, those, for the kitties out there. <laughs> it was per minute. You were yeah. charged for long distance phone calls. So she started like trying to call her boyfriend a lot. And then her dad was like, yeah, that's not going to work. No. And this is before email. <laughs> so they're literally writing correspondence to each other to long distance date. That is so cute. It's adorable. Let's see. So yeah, so he's far away. She doesn't know what to do for a prom date. She's going to try to get him to come back to get his parents to let him come back for prom. But it's not looking good. So the whole group heads off to the auditorium where the prom assembly is already going on. They sit in the back and the principal, Mr. Sewell, Sewall, Sewall, S-E-W-A-L-L, Swall. This is like that other name you had. I know. Crowell. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> 
I guess uh, it's Sewell. Sewell? 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 <laughs> oh. the... I don't know. <laughs> Mr. Seawall. See, announces... I'm, thinking, okay. I'm thinking of my job because like, I work at a landscape architecture office and we install seat walls. And so I just keep hearing seat wall in my head and I can't. Like... Well, that's his name now. Uh, Miss, now. <laughs> Mr. Seatwall announces five prom queen candidates. Mr. Seatwall is kind of short, he's kind of fluffy, and he's bald. And all the girls have nicknamed him the Muppet. In this school, apparently only the seniors are allowed to vote for prom queen candidates. And the top five votes are the candidates. Danielle, were you ever voted for school royalty? Absolutely not. <laughs> Good for I you. was a weird. I was a weirdo. So no way. <laughs> no, no comment. Um, <laughs> we're gonna break these girls down. This is a good time to get out that pen and pencil, because we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna break down. First candidate, Elizabeth McVeigh. <laughs> She's our narrator. She's totally surprised. She's got the long distance boyfriend. She's unconcerned with fashion. She's wearing ripped jeans and a work shirt. She's got brown curly hair. She wants to be a writer. Rarely wears makeup. So this chick is me, right? Mm. Next candidate, Simone Perry. <laughs> she is dressed up silky blouse and a black leather skirt. She was clearly expecting to be called up on stage. She's got this like long dark hair and I'm getting a very kind of dark queen vibe from her. She's star of the drama club. She's tall, dark, dramatic, and she is very possessive of her floundering boyfriend, <laughs> Justin. Floundering, philandering. Philandering boyfriend Justin. <laughs> God damn it, autocorrect. Floundering. <laughs> Floundering. <laughs> well, maybe it's both. We don't know. Um, I, I was going with it because I was like, floundering's a word. So I was going It's a word, it. but you need to understand that he's philandering. He is right. a candy chaser. 100%. Okay. Okay, so we've got Elizabeth Simone. The next is Elena Potter. <laughs> One of the most popular girls in school. Happy, friendly, classy, pretty, rich. Very Stepford Wives kind of gal. And again, this is the rich girl. But she's everybody's pal. She's not really a rich bitch. Like she just kind of has everything. Things tend to work out for Elena. So number four is Don Rogers. <laughs> girls tennis team captain so she's the one who thinks everybody's gonna ask her to prom and she would never be seen on fear street dawn is kind of a rich bitch she's blonde and tan and boy crazy and aggressively competitive at literally everything she's gonna do whatever it takes to win in all situations our last candidate is rachel west <laughs> Again, already met her in the locker room. She's the more sensitive one that was not on board with the jokes Don was making about the dead girl. Also, Rachel's kind of poor compared to the rest of them. Remember, she's the one that lives on Fear Street. She's only a block from where the body was found on Fear Woods, so her house is like right on the edge of the woods. She's very pretty, but she's kind of shy, and it's a little weird that she was chosen as a candidate. They're all called up on stage. They're all standing there. Mr. Seatwell announces that he has managed to rent the newly refurbished Halsey Manor for prom. It's a huge old mansion. Danielle, can you guess where it is? I think it's on Fear Street. It is. In fact, it's right in the heart of the Fear Street woods. When he announces this, everyone is shocked. And not in a good way. They're not on board like we are. 
Never mind the fact that like Fear Woods is super creepy and it also has kind of a reputation for being haunted, but they just pulled like a dead girl's body out of that area. You know, romance and dancing. Am I right? (laughs) The principal announces that the winner will not only get to be prom queen, but they will get a scholarship for $3,000, which adjusted for inflation is $5,536 in today's money. Pretty good. Just for being prom queen. Sounds good. (laughs) And as they're walking off stage, Dawn tells Elizabeth that she knows she's going to win. And Elena announces that she's got the Mercedes today and, you know, they should all just go to Pete's Pizza to celebrate. Pete's Pizza. It's on the map. Check it out. (laughs) So they all ride over. And Simone is, like, learning her lines for the school play in the car. She, of course, is the star. They're doing Sound of Music. She's Maria. She says that, you know, her parents probably won't even go to the play. They don't have very much time for her. And then the conversation turns to the killer and how they're all a little concerned how they may not be able to have prom if the police put a curfew in place, which is a weird glitch in the matrix considering the current situation with most people not getting to go to there. Right. <laughs> when they get to the restaurant, Dawn reiterates again that she is going to win no matter what, because she wins everything. And they all start to kind of poke fun at each other, but in that really shitty, dirty, backhanded kind of a way that girls do, where they're mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm making fun of you, but, I'm, you know, they're 100% serious, but they're just joking. No, but they're not. We learned through this little row that they all kind of hate each other, like on some level. Mm-hmm. They're kind of finishing up this little back and forth, and Simone turns white. And she spills her soda and she starts saying no. Because she's just spotted her boyfriend, Justin, talking to a tall, hot, blonde girl outside the restaurant. (laughs) So she stomps out there Jerry Springer style and like puts his finger in her face. She's like dressing him down. And Elizabeth admits that, you know, Justin is kind of the hottest guy in school. And that's when Dawn pops up and says that she went out with Justin just last week i mean he asked and she wanted to go so she did (laughs) while they're kind of like all open mouth gaping at dawn for just admitting to cheating on simone rachel confesses that he asked her out for this weekend guess what she said yes she sure did (laughs) (laughs) He, he must be real good looking The next day, Elizabeth is at rehearsal for the school play. We already said they're doing Sound of Music. Simone's supposed to be Maria, and Elizabeth is there working on sets. And I don't really understand what her role is in the play, because throughout this book, she's working on sets, she's doing props. Like She may be like a one-man crew. I'm not sure what's happening, but Elizabeth has... I know, it sounds like she's doing everything. So she's got quite a stake in this play for some reason. Okay, so Simone's really late to rehearsal, and that sucks because she's the lead, and it's really hard to rehearse without her. So the director asks if Elizabeth knows where she is, and she says, no, I don't know where she's at, but maybe she's, like, somewhere around school. So she heads down the halls to go and look for Simone. And if you've ever been in a high school at night, when it's dark, it's creepy as fuck. And that's basically what Elizabeth is doing. She's walking down these dark, empty halls of school. It's, it's freaking her out a little bit. I mean, she checks the library, but the library's locked. So then she's like, well, maybe she is in the gym for some reason. So she goes to the stairwell where the gym is located, and the stairwell door locks behind her. And so she starts to freak out a little bit because when the gym door is locked as well, she realizes she's trapped in this like dark stairwell. And she starts pounding on the door and yelling for someone to help her. And after a few minutes of pounding on the door, she starts to lose her shit a little bit and she just starts like screaming repeatedly. 
And Mr. Yeah. Well, it was effective because Mr. Stanucci, who is the janitor, comes to let her out. And she scared the shit out of him screaming like that. So he lets (laughs) her out the back doors of the gym. And now she has to kind of like walk around through the parking lot to get back to the auditorium. So as she's walking, she passes the tennis courts and she thinks, you know, Dawn will probably be over there practicing. Maybe she's seen Simone. As she starts heading that way, she sees Dawn actually running towards her, towards the parking Mm -hmm. lot. Dawn's dressed in her tennis outfit for practice. She's carrying her tennis racket. And Elizabeth tries to stop her to see if she's seen Simone, but Dawn kind of like mows her down and tries to get out of the parking lot. But Elizabeth stops her car and she asks, have you seen Simone? We're trying to, we're trying to find her. She's really, really late for practice. Dawn says that she's not seen her since school. And as Dawn looks up at Elizabeth to tell her so, Elizabeth notices that Dawn's face is all scratched up. She looks like she's gone 10 rounds with a cornered possum. Like she has definitely been in some kind of a fight. Mm. Elizabeth asks her, what happened to your face? And Dawn says she fell into a fence at tennis practice and got caught up, got cut up by this fence because apparently the tennis courts are lined with razor wire in the fence. Uh, okay. In the fence, she she went oh, and she fell into a fence and got really cut up. I don't believe that, <laughs> but she's got to go now because she's really late for this, that, and the other. Dawn like peels out. Right. And one of the cast members catches Elizabeth in the parking lot saying that play practice is canceled. Simone's never showed up and everybody's just going to go home. And the director is pissed. Elizabeth's like, all right, well, I guess I'll, I'll head home, too. And she's like, well, I'll just stop by Simone's house on the way to see if she's there and find out why she didn't show up. Simone's parents let Elizabeth in and they are like, yeah, we think she's upstairs. We came home a little bit you know, before now and the light was on, she's probably up there. Elizabeth goes up to Simone's room. She immediately sees that Simone's room has been trashed, like thoroughly trashed. Shit is broken and thrown all over. There's curtains and pictures pulled from the walls and what looks like a large puddle of dark red blood on the floor. Elizabeth thinks that she's, she's in a faint. She doesn't like the sight of blood. So she kind of goes to the window. She's going to open up the window and get some fresh air so she doesn't actually faint. And as she goes to the window, she sees a man running across the yard carrying a big gray sack. And she screams. Later that night, Elizabeth and her friends are all gathered in Simone's living room. And the cops have called them there to question them. The cops assume, because there's no body, that this is some kind of a kidnapping. Yeah. But they also have some teams, like, combing through Fair Woods, just in case. Mm-hmm. So the cops question Elizabeth and her friends. Without a warrant, parent, or a lawyer present, mind you. <laughs> but they did. And the police have also called Robbie Barron who I believe is the director of the school musical. And it's really hard to tell if this is a kid or a teacher because they never really like line that out. I think it's a kid, but I'm not for sure. So Robbie Barron, director of the school musical is there. And Justin, Simone's boyfriend is there as well. And the cops start by asking him where he was the night before because he's her boyfriend. He kind of like hams and haws for a minute And then he fesses up, he was at Elena's house, studying. (laughs) Rachel said that she was working all afternoon at 7-Eleven when then she went home. Dawn says that she was playing tennis. And Elizabeth says that she was working on the school set and told the cops how she had gone off to kind of look for Simone when she didn't show up for rehearsal. That's when she discovered her room and the person running from the house later. So Elena, in front of the cops, says that she heard Robbie arguing with Simone about always being late to rehearsal. Robbie doesn't deny it. In fact, he's like, Simone's kind of a bitch. She's impossible to deal with. Everyone argues with her. What's your point? So the cops ask a few more questions and then they tell everybody like, okay, you remember anything, you call me. Like there's no, no information is too small. Everybody agrees and they kind of head out 
Elizabeth stops Elena on her way out to the car and she's like, what the hell just happened? Like, this is awful. And Elena kind of bites her head off. She's like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. I'm fed up with this whole situation. And she gets in her car and drives off. Okay. A little bit of an overreaction. Elizabeth's like, well, that was dumb. So she's about to get in her car. And as she's looking for her keys in her purse, which, by the by, that is a rookie mistake. Yeah. You always get your keys out of your purse while you are inside. You do not want to be standing by your locked car digging for keys. No. (laughs) Because that's when someone will kill you. But so that's exactly what she's doing. She's digging for keys. Someone comes up behind her yelling, I killed her. I killed her. So now we have, I gotta, I gotta change positions for this asshole. Okay. <laughs> so now we get another new character. I wasn't kidding about the pen and paper, y'all. Okay, so the way Stein describes this guy, it's like, he's not saying this character is ugly. <laughs> he's just saying that maybe he gets on time. This character could have possibly tried to stop three goats from crossing a bridge. (laughs) Lucas, whose last name is Brown, has brown hair, brown eyes, and he always wears all brown. Okay. So his color palette is literally shit. (laughs) Aww. And his eyes are set so close together that he often appears cross-eyed. But to add to that, he's a total weirdo. He's either super socially awkward, or he's leading up to his first kill. He's one of those. You're not real sure. It's like, you're either going to kill a lot of people one day, or you, you weren't ever socialized at any point in your life. One of those. But he's very morbid, he's depressed all the time, whatever. But he's also kind of aggressive toward girls, Ugh. right? So he laughs really loudly at his little bag joke about like screaming, I killed her, I killed her. And then he hits on Elizabeth. But his version of like hitting on her is to say shit like, let's go get naked. No. Funny joke, right? But he's not joking. He's like, says that as he's like pulling her along, like to go get naked. She tells him, you know, fuck off. And she jumps in her car. And he tries to get his hands in the car window, like through the crack. And so, so she puts the automatic window up on his fingers. He's somehow able to like wiggle them out at the last minute. And he kind of gets really pissed. Like he's genuinely hurt that his like clever line of let's go get naked didn't work. She's like, fuck this guy, fuck this day. And she basically leaves. She hates this dude. I mean, he's a creep. We'd all agree, so fuck him. But here's the contradiction. Simone actually dated this booger picker. No. It's pretty widely known that she only dated him because he's on the baseball team. And so is Justin. And so she used him as a reason to start like stopping by practice so she could get to Justin. Which is, I guess, a pretty well-known fact. And Luke, he's not happy about that. So Luke totally has a reason to hate Simone. Yeah. And Elizabeth realizes that she remembers an important detail about the person that she saw running from Simone's house. They were wearing a maroon jacket, just like the ones the members of the Shadyside baseball team all possess. So, to sum it up so far, because there is a lot going on, The suspects in the disappearance of Simone are all four other queen candidates, Justin the boyfriend, Robbie the director, Luke the freak, some unknown serial killer, and the entire Shadyside High baseball team. (laughs) Good. Everybody with me? Now we get a time jump. Two weeks have passed.
Elizabeth, Dawn, and Rachel are all driving to the mall to buy prom dresses and catch a movie. And Elizabeth is telling everyone how Luke is super creepy. He called her. He asked her to prom. Ugh. Rather, he told her she was going to go to prom with him. And she tells him, you know, fuck off in a really nice way. She's still hoping that her long-distance boyfriend, correspondence boyfriend, will get permission to come and be her prom date. But Elizabeth is pretty sure that Luke is the killer. The more she thinks about it, the more it fits. Rachel kind of agrees with, with that theory, but Dawn thinks that it's just like some random serial killer. The same one that killed those other girls in the area. Elizabeth wants to stop by Simone's house on the way to the mall to see if there's been any new news. They do. Her dad says there's no news, no, no kidnapper ransom, no body found. She's just disappeared. So they kind of are bummed, but they've, they've got to go get their prom dresses. So they head to the mall and they start talking about good things, about Simone, how they can't believe that she's gone. And Dawn decides to be real and basically is like, I don't give a shit about Simone because we were never friends and she was generally a bitch all the time to anyone who wasn't Justin. So it is what it is. They go and they're, they're trying on dresses. They're doing the girl thing that girls do. You know, Dawn's got a couple of dresses on her arm. She's talking to Elizabeth. Dawn does this thing where she tries to get Elizabeth to just admit that she knows Dawn's going to win it. I mean, come on. Just say it. Just say that you know. And Elizabeth is about to tell her what's up. And right as she opens her mouth, she catches over Dawn's shoulder the perfect prom dress. It's black spaghetti straps, plunging neckline, and a slit up the side. Super duper. It's Jessica Rabbit in black. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. So she kind of goes <gasps> and goes and takes it off the rack. And as soon as she takes it off the rack, Dawn comes over and tries to pull it out of her hands. So the girls are having this like yanking match with this dress. Dawn's saying shit like, you don't have the legs for this dress. It's going to look way better on me anyways. And Elizabeth's like, fuck you, I saw this dress first. And Dawn kind of viciously yanks it and ends up getting the dress. And then she hands the dresses she had to Elizabeth so she can go try it on. That's what level we're at. But Elizabeth kind of takes it. Like, she just stands there and holds her dresses. Dawn decides to buy this dress because, of course, it looks amazing. The other girls don't end up finding anything. They're like, fuck this. Let's just go to the movie. Whatever. And it's adorable. It's a new Christian Slater movie. How cute is that? He just looks like he's up to something. We're... Yeah, and we're on board for that. So, yeah, so they're walking to, to the theater. They're talking about, you know, their prom dates, who they're going to take. Dawn's already been asked by three different boys, and she's going to string them all along until she decides which one to take. Rachel has a boyfriend. Her boyfriend's name is Gideon. Okay. And Gideon is also on the baseball team. Uh, Lisbeth is likely going stag, which, side note, stag is the best. I went to four proms, and by the fourth one, we all agreed that we would have, like, had so much more fun if we had not brought dates. <laughs> I went to my sophomore prom which I didn't I wasn't going to go to um, but we were practicing for the musical and like one of the senior girls who was a friend of mine was like you should go and I'm like I guess so she took me so I went to sophomore prom and then my junior year I was dating a senior from another school so uh, we went to my junior prom and then we went to his senior prom and then I went to my senior prom with a guy I met online no shit. I seriously took an internet date to prom. Um, <laughs> it was a big mistake. We should have all just gone bag. Yeah. And this is in the day. I, I believe we met on AIM. Oh, no. Well, yeah, I get because like, yeah, it was a, it was an AOL IM situation. And he like lived in like a town or two over and we had we had like dated. We'd been on a couple of dates. This was by no means love. I was seriously just in the market for somebody taller than me, which is hard because I'm 5'10 and I'm six foot in heels. 
And, uh, you know, I mean, he, he was 6'3". It was horrible. It was a terrible time. No, there's, there's, there was a lot of prom shenanigans. Like we, we went because we were supposed to, but by the end of it, we all kind of looked at each other and were like, "This is so stupid." <laughs> like, why do we do? <laughs> well, so that, so they're all talking about their prom dates. They go to see the Christian Slater movie. When they get there, they find Justin snuggling up to Suki Thomas. And Suki Thomas is actually a character from another book. Like, she has her own story. So this is a crossover, but I don't remember. It's one of the early books. It's, like, one of the first three. Um, but I don't remember which book it was. But Suki is, like, um, she's got quite the reputation with boys around town. And she's at the movies with Justin. Mind you, Simone's been missing for, like, two weeks, okay? Not that I'd ever stopped him. Well, it never stopped him when she was alive. Like, he can't be expected to, like, not try to get it in for, like, more than a day. So, yeah. So, he's there with Suki. They kind of say, oh, hey, what's up? And they move, you know, into the theater. So, they get in the theater, and they all sit down to watch the, the movie. And she's not really digging the movie. She says it's kind of slow. Dawn gets up. She goes for a soda. But she doesn't come back for, like, a long time. And so, Rachel's like, I'm going to go look for Dawn. So she gets up and looks for Dawn. Everybody leaves Elizabeth there. Rachel comes running back into the theater and she's like, you have to come see something terrible has happened to Dawn. And they go out into the, the theater of the lobby and Dawn is laying there and she's unconscious. And Rachel's like, I found her like this at the back of the theater. The ushers had to help me pull her out here to the lobby so we could see what's going on. So Elizabeth's like, okay, well, someone needs to call an ambulance. And an usher finds some, like, smelling salts. Salts? Salts? I think it's salts. I looked it up. Well, and then I realized I didn't really know what smelling salts were. And so I looked it up. And according to Wikipedia, they've been around since Roman times. And all it is, it's like a mix of chemicals. Um, but modern day smelling salts, I guess, contains mostly, like, ammonia. So it's, like, it's something that is so powerful. It literally kind of, like, revives your brain. Any hoodles. So they... They revive her and she's like, I was coming back from the bathroom. Some guy I couldn't see walks up to me and like hits me hard in the head, which is kind of comical. But that's how that went down. So the cops get called. She's like, I don't know who hit me. Somebody attacked me. We don't know who they are. So nobody has any idea where this guy is or how it happens. So they kind of go out to the parking lot. They're walking out. The air has changed because it's starting to like do that thing that it does right before a really good thunderstorm. Elizabeth gets both girls home before the storm actually starts. And when she gets to her house, she sees there's a letter from correspondence Kevin. So she takes it upstairs to read it in private. Um, she also has to do her homework but she's finding it really hard to concentrate. The storm has picked up outside and it is a proper Dracula thunderstorm. Huge crashes of lightning and like really hard sheets of rain. She's have, she can't concentrate. So she gives up on homework. She starts to write her reply to correspondence Kevin. Her dad knocks on the door and asks her if she wants a game of chess. And she's like, yeah, thanks. I'm doing my homework. Sorry, dad. Dad's all concerned, Dad, about her, making sure she's good about, you know, Simone. She's like, I'm fine, I'm fine. Dad leaves, Rachel's phone rings, and there's a girl on the other end, and she is sobbing. It's Rachel. She's hysterical, and she says that Elizabeth needs to come over, like, right now. She has to help her, and then the line goes dead. So, without telling her parents where she's going, she heads out into the gnarly thunderstorm and heads to Fear Street. Because remember, that's where Rachel lives, on Fear Street. She's the poor one. And the rain is coming down so hard, the, the windshield wipers, they can barely keep up. Elizabeth slows the car as she approaches Rachel's house, and she tries to get a look at the front of the house to kind of see what's going on. When the car hits and rolls over something like a big bump in the road that doesn't belong there. Elizabeth can't see shit, so she immediately assumes that she's hit a person. She starts freaking out. She puts the car in park, 
climbs out into the rain to see what she's hit. And as she approaches what it is, this like bright flash of lightning lights up the sky and it reveals it's a dead raccoon. But Elizabeth gets back in the car. She makes up Rachel's driveway. At the door, Rachel's mom is like, she's upstairs. Why are you here? So she pushes past Rachel's mom and goes up to Rachel's room and she finds Rachel sobbing on her bed. She has not been attacked or harmed. She's flipping out level 12 because her boyfriend, Gideon, has broken up with her to date Elena. She's equal parts kind of like hurt and angry. And Elizabeth is annoyed because she thought this was important. But it's not. It's a breakup. So she starts to like, okay, Rachel, calm down. Rachel, you're hysterical. Please calm down. Why did you call me over here like someone was hurting you? Okay, it's going to be, you know, like she's definitely annoyed that she was called over in the storm and like for this shit. So she calms her down enough. She's like, I'll tell you what, why don't we go to prom together since you don't have a date now and I don't have a date now. Rachel's like, okay, yeah, that'll, that'll be good. Okay, so she leaves Rachel's house. Rachel's been calmed down. She leaves Rachel's house. When Elizabeth gets home, her dad calls her into the kitchen and he's like, guess what? They caught the killer. The one who killed all those girls. It's an escapee from like a nearby state prison. And he doesn't, he hasn't said anything about Simone. There's no word on Simone yet, but they've caught him. They got the guy, right? So Elizabeth's like, well, that's good. You know, that's, we can all relax, I guess, a little bit. At the same time, I'm, I'm upset because that means Simone's probably dead. It's bad news. So she goes to bed. She has kind of a nightmare. She's woken up by this knocking at the door. And at first she thinks this was in my dream, but then the knock happens again. So she goes down the hall, she meets her parents there who are also kind of like putting on their robes, trying to figure out, because it's the middle of the night, who's knocking on the door? So they open the door and it's the cops. And they want to talk to Elizabeth because she's the last person to have seen Rachel alive. Okay, she did. We get another time jump. A week has passed since Rachel's murder. Elizabeth is in the prop room, which is... In older theaters, for some reason, they're like, let's put a random room 50 feet in the sky with one catwalk to it, and we're going to make that, like, the place you carry shit to and from. So the prop room is above the stage. So that's where Elizabeth's at. She's in the prop room. She's checking things off for the musical. She's trying really hard not to think about Rachel. Rachel's death has fucked her up level 10. And I guess what happened was that after she left... Rachel's dad took the family out for ice cream. He wanted to cheer her up, but she was not having it. She didn't want to go. And so they went anyways, and when they came back, they found her dead. She had been stabbed to death, just like the other girls. Robbie, the director, shows up in the prop room, kind of freaks her out, because not many people go up there. She knows that, like, the guy that they arrested, that couldn't be the killer, because Rachel was killed after they took this guy into custody. Then Dawn shows up, and she's wearing Simone's costume. Dawn has taken over her part as the lead in the play. And she's talking to Elizabeth about, like, she's kind of freaking out now because it's clear someone out there is trying to kill the prom queens, trying to kill all the candidates. And now there's only three of them left. But why would they do that? So they suggest, like, different things for motives for why would you want to kill them like somebody's maybe they want the money but then Don brings up a pretty good point like why would you kill three people for five grand doesn't make a lot of sense go rob a bank but Don gets called onto stage and she starts to rehearse and Elizabeth goes down and starts to watch the rehearsal from the wings and as she looks out into the theater she notices someone standing in the back of the theater behind the seats and as the lights come up, she can see it's Luke the Creep. And he somehow is able to make, like, eye contact with her and sort of blow her like a slow kiss. Ew. So she, her theory about Luke is getting stronger and stronger all the time. Because when she looks back, he's gone. Dawn is on stage. She's trying her best to pick up this role. And everybody's kind of patting her on the back for how well she's doing. And she's literally, like, lapping up this attention. She's getting 
the new lead of the school play, and Elizabeth realizes, you know, Dawn definitely has a motive. She's the new school lead in the school play. Maybe she bumped off Simone to get that role. We don't know. Elizabeth is kind of considering her list of suspects. She almost forgets her cue. She's supposed to untie this rope and drop a new scene into place. But just in time, she kind of remembers. Along with the backdrop that is supposed to drop, a large sandbag that is not supposed to drop comes crashing down onto the stage. And it misses Dawn by like an inch. Okay, Dawn starts screaming that Elizabeth did it on purpose. The director runs on stage and is like, what is everybody's problem? And Dawn and Elizabeth explain to him that they think someone's trying to kill the prom queens and they're just really on edge. So it could have been an accident, but they think somebody must have rigged this so that Dawn got hit by the sandbag. So the director's like, you guys are just being paranoid. Can we please just rehearse? But Elizabeth is like, we are not rehearsing. Someone almost just died. And the director's like, yeah, but it's not that big a deal. We still need to rehearse. So Elizabeth kind of like, she, she doesn't literally do this, but, you know, in so many words, she he flips him off and like stomps off stage. Okay. Guy's a jerk. Really insensitive about what's just happening. She's going home. Fuck these guys. Fuck this day. Fuck this play. Forget this. She goes out to her car and she's, you know, in her head, she's going, okay, who could have done this? Who could this be? She's driving home. She looks in the rearview mirror and there's a face looking back at her from her back seat. Ew. And just as she flips out and kind of turns the wheel, because duh, there's a face in the back seat, a hand duh. lands on her shoulder. Ew. So now she's in full on skid fishtail, the car, the guy in the back is laughing wildly. He thinks this is hilarious. So she uh. finally stops the car, looks back at him, and it's creepy fucking Lucas. Ew. Little joke. Little joke this was. Wasn't it funny? Wasn't it funny, Danielle? No. And she's like, no, <laughs> it's not fucking funny. Not at all. You're lucky that we didn't all die in a car crash. Get the hell out of my car. And he's yeah. like, and that, like, I'm not kidding. Like, this dude is borderline. Like, you really don't know if he is. <sighs> well, okay, so here's an example. So she's mad about the car thing. He starts doing this, like, sing song, like, sorry, sorry, Ew. sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, like, he's that guy. I hope he so dies. she's like, you, you are fucked. Please get out of my car. Yeah. He's, you're like, hey, you know, I just, I want to get to know you better. I really like you. Ew. And uh, I, I know that when you give me a chance, you're really going to like me too. We can have a lot of fun together. And, and she's like, I will kill you. Get out of my car. <laughs> and so he kind of leans back and like crosses his arms in front of him. Like, well, you're just going to have to make me. Ugh. Right? And she, I'm in her head. She, yes. In her head, she's going, if I go back and pull him out, he's really going to enjoy that. Like, he's going to enjoy the contact of me pulling him from the back seat of the car. And so she looks at him dead in the face and she's like, if you don't get the fuck out of my car right now, I'm going to start screaming like you're hurting me. And then when people start running, I'm going to tell them that you are hurting me. I will tell fucking everybody everywhere what kind of a creep you are. Mm -hmm. if You do not get the fuck out of my car right now. <laughs> and so he does but he's heard about it like he doesn't understand why she just can't stop being a bitch and like, and like give him a chance because he wow. you know, snuck into her car and everything kicks rocks she's gone he's standing by the curb confused that this you know little rouse didn't uh, didn't bring her on board with him why are guys and I don't fucking know. But this is not a guy. You can't put this on guys. This is this this is True. somebody who's wrong. If the if the roles were reversed, we would be just as disgusted. True. But yeah, this is the this is a dick move. So Elizabeth goes straight home. 
Her parents aren't there. Great. She doesn't want to be alone in the house, but whatever. So she locks the door behind her. She turns on every light as she goes. She turns off the, the burglar alarm. She's like, I really need some chocolate. So she goes to the kitchen. The kitchen light is on. And there's someone in her house sitting at her kitchen table. Danielle, would you care to guess who is at your house sitting at her kitchen table? Ugh. It better not be that guy. It better not. No, she left his ass on the street. Oh, yeah, that's true. But he could have got Superman. (laughs) (laughs) He ran there Clark Kent style. Yeah, you never know. I have no idea. I don't know. It's Justin. Okay. And she's like, hey, how'd you get in my house? <laughs> and, he, and Justin's like, well, your parents let me in. They went to go pick up your aunt at the uh, the airport. And they let me in because I want to talk to you. She's like, okay. That's not <laughs> weird. You no, know, it's not weird. Well, you know, Justin has to be, like, ridiculously good. I feel like. I want to know how good looking. No one said no to him ever. Like, he's someone who mm-hmm. is an adorable child, who is a scampy youth, and then it's just, like, a panty melter as, yeah. like, a young... Because she takes this... She kind of relaxes. She's like, well, all right. You want anything from the fridge? I'm going for chocolate. <laughs> he's like, no, I'm good. Apparently, he'd already had some cake that his mom, that her mom made. So she's totally at ease with him being in her house. And she's like, what do you want? And he says, well, I, uh, I wanted to talk to you, um... I, you know, it's been kind of lonely since Simone was taken, and I've noticed that you're attracted to me, and (laughs) (laughs) she's like, um, thanks, but no thanks. And he is genuinely, like, shocked. Like, he's not sure what to do, because uh, no one's ever not wanted, like, his dick, ever, in his life. There's a moment there where he's like, really? She's like, no, really, I don't want it. I promise. (laughs) So he kind of is not aggressive with her, but definitely is a little threatening with her. And right about then, her parents come back and he kind of bounces. So this was an odd interaction with Justin. We're not sure what Justin's all about. That afternoon, they have an assembly for the prom queens. And everybody's saying that it's really brave, that they've decided to continue with prom given what's happened. And then after the assembly, Elizabeth decides that she's going to go and work on the set pieces for the play. She's going to try to get her mind off of everything. So she goes to the auditorium and the auditorium is dark. The house lights are down. The stage lights are down, but she knows this auditorium pretty well. So she kind of walks down the center aisle. She, she goes up on the stage. She feels her way around the act curtain in the dark and makes her way to the light board. And she starts to pulling levers and switching on lights one after another and the lights of the stage come up and she does an about face to go and work on some props and she sees Elena's dead body in the middle of the stage she starts screaming again the janitor comes in again like dude why are you screaming again (laughs) and he sees this girl's dead body in the center of the stage So he goes to get help. The paramedics show up. The cops show up. They roll her over and her face has been like crushed. And they deduced that she fell face first from the catwalk above the stage. And if you're unfamiliar with that, that kind of a setup, like those catwalks are so high up, like literally two or three stories in the air. Okay. So whatever happened, Lena fell off face first. She's dead. And the only clue that was left behind was a little patch of maroon fabric clutched in Elena's dead, cold hand. It's the same kind of fabric from those shady side baseball boys and their jackets. Later, the cops are questioning Dawn and Elizabeth because they're the only two left. Yep. And Dawn says that, you know, she was at tennis practice after the assembly. And Elizabeth says she really, really thinks that it's Lucas. Lucas has done this. Lucas is a creep. Lucas is aggressive. Please, somebody go check on Lucas. 
And both the girls insist that somebody, whoever it is, are definitely targeting them as prom queen candidates. They're walking out together and Don makes some crack about, well, just the two of them now, one of them has to win it. And Elizabeth, if she were ever going to smack a bitch, it would be right now. Because they literally just found Elena's body. And Elizabeth is like, you know what, Don? You can fucking have it. Tomorrow I'm dropping out. Like, I'm telling them tomorrow I don't want to do this anymore. Good for you. Happy prom queen. When Elizabeth gets home, the phone rings, and it's Justin. He's like, listen, I really want to talk to you in person. I have something that's very important. I want to tell you. And she's like, dude, it is so late. And my parents are in bed. And he's like, no, 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 it's really important. And so she's like, okay, fine. Come in the front door. I'll turn the burglar alarm off. Say what you got to say, but then you have to leave. Justin's like, okay, cool. I'll be there in 15 minutes. So he gets there. He's kind of flirty with her. At some point, he starts to kind of pick up one of her dad's letter openers. And it's one of those like long silver jobs that looks like a knife. Mm. And he starts kind of playing with it. And asking her things like, so you talked to the cops today. What, uh, what did you tell him? You know, so he's, Mm -hmm. he wants to know what she said to the cops. She's like, I don't know the truth. Everything that I knew. What, I mean, what do you, whatever, Justin, like, we know you're hot. What, what, why are you here? Um, (laughs) and before he can get it out, her dad comes down and catches them. And he's like, Hey buddy, what you doing? Time to go. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) time to go so justin gets kicked out he's like we'll talk about this at school tomorrow she avoids him all day at school she comes home after school and there's a letter from correspondence kevin guess who has permission to come back to prom and be her date kevin she's kevin she's gonna get (laughs) kevin for prom so she's elated she's so happy she skips off to dress rehearsal to do all the things because apparently she's in charge of fucking everything for this play. <laughs> that night, Dawn comes up to her because she's the lead now and she's like, Was Justin at your house? And Elizabeth's like, Yes. And she's like, Well, why was Justin at your house? And she says, I really don't know. And I don't care. My boyfriend's coming back for prom. I, you know, how do you know he was at my house? And she said, Oh, you know, some kids drove by and saw his car there and then they told me. She's like, that's weird. Okay, go do your play. Dress rehearsal goes terrible. Everybody sucks. The lines are awful. Nobody wants this play to actually go. And so after dress rehearsal, they're up in the prop room, which is, remember, above the stage by the catwalk. And Justin shows up in the prop room. And he does the thing again where he kind of like space invades her. And he's like, I just, I, um, I just wanted to see if you had a prom date. And she starts laughing. She's like, you wanted to ask me to prom. Like, that's why you're acting like a weirdo. Because you want me to go to prom with you. She's like, well, yeah, you know, we'd have fun and all this stuff. And she's like, yeah, no, I'm not going to prom with you. I have a boyfriend. He's coming back. Sorry, Justin. Okay, bye. So they walk out onto the catwalk. And in my mind, I'm going, bitch is going to get pushed. He doesn't. (laughs) He, He walks to the end of the catwalk. He kind of fucks off. Dawn comes up. She's like, why was Justin here? And she said, he asked me to prom. And Dawn is surprised because, you know, anybody that's not her is not desirable. And, you know, why would Justin do that? Elizabeth has to wrap up a few more things before she can leave. And Dawn decides she's going to wait for her. They're going to ride out together. And she's going to wait for her to get finished. So Elizabeth goes about her thing. She calls to Dawn. Dawn doesn't answer. And she's like, really, Dawn? That's not funny right now. And all she hears is this horrible, blood-curdling scream. It's coming from the stage. So she runs down there, runs to the wing. She can see that Dawn is wrestling with someone in the wings of the stage. Someone wearing a baseball jacket and a baseball cap. And that person has a knife. Elizabeth freaks out. She goes to run to help Dawn, but she trips on this, like, heavy black lighting cable that was backstage, because those wires are freaking everywhere backstage. Trips on the wire, face plants, right into the stage, right? 
and she looks up from falling just in time to see the killer plunge the knife very deeply into Dawn's chest. And then the killer gets off of Dawn and starts walking towards Elizabeth. And Elizabeth finally sees who the killer is. Danielle, place your bets. They were wearing a baseball jacket. And a hat. And a hat. But what if it's like a girl wearing the stuff to make it look like there's someone else? Which girl? I don't know. I'm not going to say. I'm always wrong. <laughs> well, if you're playing at home, if you picked <laughs> Simone, you are right. Oh. Pass out drinks. And in her supervillain monologue, Simone tells us all how she staged her own disappearance. And wow. How she knew no one would notice because no one really cared about her. Elizabeth asks her, why are you killing the prom queens? Why the prom queen candidates? And Simone does this kind of like evil belly laugh. And she says, <laughs> she wasn't killing everyone who was prom queen. She was killing everyone who betrayed her by sneaking out with Justin. She wanted to teach him a lesson. And she thinks she's starting to figure it out because he's starting to date less people since she's killed everyone that he's dated. With the exception of Suki, because they don't remember her body turning up. Right. And her whole plan is that after she's taught him this lesson, she's just going to show back up and make up some story about like being kidnapped. She's a great actress, after all. Yeah. And she kind of backs Elizabeth up to the side of the stage where all the hanging ropes are. When she lunges at Elizabeth with a knife, Elizabeth pulls the rope from the set that had the sandbag attached to it and it comes crashing down from overhead. But it doesn't land on Simone's face like we want. It lands on her foot with a crack. Yeah. So Simone doubles over in pain because it looks like she's broken her foot. And Elizabeth runs over and, like, kicks the knife away from Simone, who appears to have blacked out from the pain of her broken foot. Now, we know from many, many horror movies that they are never dead. But Elizabeth rushes over to see Dawn is still alive, if she's still okay, if there's anything she can do. Yeah. Dawn is conscious by some miracle, okay? Somehow they've missed important mm -hmm. parts. She's still alive. And Elizabeth's like, okay, I'm, go I'm gonna go get help. I'm gonna go get some help. And she spins on her heel and comes face to face with Simone, who grabs Elizabeth by the neck and starts to choke her out. And right when Elizabeth starts to see spots and starts to think, well, it's over, Simone screams and lets her go because Dawn has gotten the knife and stabbed Simone in the leg with it to get her off of oh my Elizabeth. God. Simone pulls the blade out of her leg and starts to like hobble off the side of the stage and try to get away. And Elizabeth is all, not today, bitch. <laughs> and she tackles her from behind like a oh quarter, like God. boom. Holds Simone's arms behind her and she starts screaming like a crazy person until the janitor comes back in again and is like, what is happening now? But he's got help with him this time. The cops come. They take Simone away, and the paramedics say that Dawn will likely be all right. By some miracle, they've missed arteries, they've missed major organs, Dawn's going to make it. And then we get a little fade out, and we fade back in. And it's the prom girls. And they decide mm. that they will not have a prom queen this year. Well, that's amazing. So they're not even going to go for it anymore. They're done. Dawn insists that Elizabeth wear the black dress that they were fighting over at the store. Mm -hmm. And they're all friends now. And only four people had to die for it. The <laughs> end. That's it? That's it. They're all friends now. I, s I 
swear to God, we had almost like 200 pages of suspects and buildup and backstory. And in the last chapter, we just it said, just, okay, this is what happened. This is it. Yeah. I this feel a little it. cheated on this one. Yeah, I like it very much. I like the vibe. I like everything that's happening. But I do feel a little bit cheated. Yeah, I do too. I definitely. But there you go. <laughs> We're both like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> it had so much i was really expecting I, I mean like yeah i did i appreciated the final girl thing that was happening at the end we had a we had a real good fight I like that yeah um i was all about that but like and i'm glad it was simone but i just i wish we had taken more time to do that yeah me that's too all. that's all but oh well, that, that was it. That was the prom queen. Happy prom. Maybe <laughs> maybe it's a cool, cool parallel, you know, like there's a lot of a lot of buildup, right, for prom. And then we're kind of like, oh, this was dumb. I don't really know what to so, say about the end of that one. I don't. Yeah, I know. It is what it is. I swear I didn't leave anything out. Like, that's it. Like, we get no wrap up for Lucas. Like, and literally the prom scene was a half a page. We couldn't spend some time at prom. I think that's my yeah. That's my there was no it. prom. You're right. There was absolutely yeah. no prom. That's my beef with it. I wanted a prom themed horror book, and we got a musical themed horror book. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, it was like a musical. Like I said before, like it was very like Phantom of the Opera. Like, oh, we're gonna kill you with this. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Well, Danielle, um, would you like to tell us about oh, the Patreon? We have new stuff on our Patreon. The blooper reel, which should really just be called the Christy blooper reel, is waiting for you. So you can come mm-hmm. laugh with us, or rather at us. And our mixtape is on the way, which means you will join us on a late night radio show. If you don't know what the radio is, Google it. Just FYI. Mm-hmm. Where your divine DJs will be counting down some of our favorite songs from the episodes. It will be a Patreon exclusive, so that means you have to support the show to get it. But it's going to be good and super fun. And it's just $2 a month. So if you want to come hang with us and listen and laugh at us, head over to patreon.com slash snackswithstein and sign up. Awesome. And next episode, we are going to switch back to Goosebumps. And hopefully it had a better ending than our book today. (laughs) And Danielle is going to be telling us about Be Careful What You Wish For. Until next time, we are out. Like the chocolate ice cream at (laughs) McDonald's. Because there's never a fucking twist cone for you. (laughs) 